Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now, from Wichita's most listened to sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH, this is Sports Daily with Jacob Albrock and Tommy Kester. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is a Thursday edition of Sports Daily. Glad to be here with you on this Thursday. Jacob Albrock alongside Tommy Kester, Jad Chambers producing. Jadman in that KFH hotline at 869-1240. That will be busy today. Coming up uh, in about 10 minutes from now, we're going to be joined by the new general manager of the wind surge, Matt Hamilton, uh, just arriving in Wichita and getting right to things as that season looms very near. We'll get to that. We have Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider, coming at the top of the next hour to go through things uh, for the Cats, their postseason chances, the K-State women. Uh, lose a heartbreaker last night, which is a little bittersweet because Iowa State was led largely by a couple of locals. So a very interesting game for them. We'll get into all of that for the Wildcats. Curious to get his take on uh, the raise for Lance Leipold just down the road and what that means potentially for Chris Kleiman. A lot to get to today, Tommy. The Shockers almost do it again, but they hang on for what I think we could probably call their best win of the year. Yeah, it was. It but was man, a, yeah, I th- a road win. I, th- I mean, yeah, it, but really, like you, to your point. I thought we were going to do it again. Just about uh, fell apart for Wichita State. Woo! Uh, it was another one of those situations where they get up. I think it was, oh, I had to do something last night. I was listening to the call right here uh, on our family, I should say, over on KYN. So I, I, as I'm driving up to, to do some work at, at one of the stores, it's a 15-point game when I get out of the car. Mike Kennedy's got it at a 15-point game. I'm like, okay, here we go. Go in, do what I need to do, get back in the car at the end of a 12-0 run for UAB. And I'm like, I mean, you cannot, there's no way, there is no way. And then in the end, Wichita State 
uh, gets things back in the right direction. And and honestly, out they you know they outscore UAB in the second half. So they they got things under control there, which is great to see. I mean, honestly, it's been the thing that has killed them this year. So to see them not let that one get away from them is a I mean, it's a very positive development. They finally, you know, buck that trend a little bit. 74-66 winners. Colby Rogers was phenomenal, uh, especially in the first half, 29 points. The big storyline going into that game, Tommy, is that UAB is one of the best rebounding teams in the country. So what we had was Temple, who's not that, right, not a great rebounding team, do something against Wichita State that made no sense because Wichita State, for everything that it's been this year, is a really good rebounding team. So then Temple out-rebounds them, and you're like, where did that come from? And then you know you're going in to play UAB, who is one of the best rebounding teams in the country, especially offensive rebounds, and they only give up 10. And they out-rebound them in total, and all of a sudden Wichita State's a winner, right? You know, you can sometimes, I think, simplify it for this team. You can, you know, you get into good rebounding, shooting well from the free throw line, and Wichita State's got a chance. And they and they hang on. Uh, nice job by them. Again, best win of the year for them, for sure. And now here we go again. Presenting itself next is a chance to win two games in a row for the first time since late November. Yeah, I mean, you talk about simplifying the game for Wichita State. Really simplifying it last night was... Colby Rogers taking the game over 29 points for him. And we've seen that from time to time. We've seen flashes of that from Colby Rogers, you know, effective shooting the basketball, but not consistently. I mean, he's been, I would say, fairly consistent as far as being an offensive threat, but not in taking a basketball game over like he did last night. That was a really good development. And we've known all year long that Rogers is the most effective shooter on the team. And it was good to see him, you know, really be able to take off and kind of unleash that last night with those 29 points in 36 minutes. They still turned the ball over far too much. That's kind of the calling card of this team. It has been all year long, but they were able to make up for it with good shooting. And then, like you mentioned before, out-rebounding UAB, which that is a feat in and of itself because, as you mentioned, how good of a rebounding team UAB is. It was everything about it was good. It was on the road, and and look, we keep coming back to it, but I I do think it is worth noting how well Wichita State has seemingly played in all of these games against the top teams in the conference, with just a very few exceptions. They have been competitive in these games. If they can, you know, replicate what they did in a true road game last night which is not letting one get away from them in the second half, they'll have a chance to win conference tournament games. I'm done trying to predict what else happens, like in the regular season, that they could use this to build momentum, to maybe win three in a row. Like, I'm over that, because that's a fool's errand this year for Wichita State. So it's still, you know, can they do this again? But it is all about that conference tournament. And... At least this is a team that's shown they're going to be able to hang. From all accounts, every account I've heard from anybody, this team is, you know, is united. They, like they're not, they've not given up or done anything like that. They, so that and that helps because there will be teams in the conference tournament that probably have. And so you have to, you have to get to that point. There are a lot of teams in the American that will be 
feeling like their postseason lives are on the line. I think that American tournament could get a little wild. I'm not sure if there's an, you know, an auto bid in there. Probably. Let me just look at the uh, updated AAC standings. I mean, maybe FAU, maybe SMU, and that's probably it as far as teams that could get in without a conference championship, a conference tournament championship. Everybody else is too far out of it in the net. So you're going to have a lot of desperate teams in the conference tournament, which Dust State would obviously be one of those. It's going to make for a pretty interesting conference tournament. Right now, Wichita State, uh, I, I think the best they can do in the conference standings would be to get to uh, ninth in the conference standings. Uh, which you that know, would get them not, out of that opening day that, you know, if they can get to ninth yeah. in the standings, they wouldn't have to play in that opening round of the American tournament. Um, I, I think that that's, that's going to be a tough ask to get them all the way to ninth, but it does look like that's still possible. Well, you have, so you'd have, uh, you'd need temple to lose one mm-hmm. because they've got the tiebreaker over you. Um, and they're, they're sort of heating up right now. You would need, uh, you just need to beat Rice and Tulane, and you would pass both of them. And then the other team you'd be chasing is Tulsa, and I don't even want to guess at where the tiebreakers come in on that since they split this season. So really what you're hoping for is Tulsa and Temple to lose one uh, down the stretch here and then just beat Rice and Tulane, and they would, you know, they'd be a ninth at that point. And so it's there i mean it's very possible it is right it is it is absolutely on the table and so that that does look it creates a lot of fun here in the final two games uh as much as anything it, it this it remains the same though we just want to see this team consistently play well they play rice at home in the senior uh senior night festivities that's a 6 p.m tip and then they get a long time to wait for that game at Tulane. And that one is next Friday in the regular season finale. An odd Friday night tip for college basketball. So that's what's out there. Coming up next, Matt Hamilton is taking over the general manager spot for the Wichita Wind Surge. We'll pick his brain. Uh, full disclosure, uh, Matt is a friend of mine. We worked together for a long time in Amarillo. So I'm excited to have him here. But uh, just put that out there as we get into an interview. If it's a, <laughs> if it's a little more... Uh, uh, cheeky than normal when we interview people uh, know that that's why 869-1240 is that KFH hotline hold through that interview if you've got thoughts or call us back you can watch our video streams and leave your comments there as well Facebook, YouTube Twitch Um, some of these questions we'll get from Matt I I just know firsthand because we've had a lot of conversations he won't have an answer for those yet Uh, but if he might we'll ask those questions if we don't get to your question know that it's probably because I know he doesn't know that answer yet. So uh, stick with us. You can leave those comments, those questions there on the video stream. But we'll have Matt in next on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily here on a Thursday. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you. Jad Chambers producing and joining us now on the line for the first time in this capacity. We're excited to bring in Matt Hamilton, uh, who has been introduced now officially as the new general manager of the Wichita Wind Surge. A new era, I think, in a lot of ways for folks in the stadium going to Wind Surge games, which 
I could imagine is going to be exciting. Uh, as I mentioned before, full disclosure, Matt is a friend of mine, uh, so we, we may be a little more loose than normal. But I'll tell you this because I know we'll have these questions. So uh, because I know this, know uh, that, yes, I understand the NBC World Series is something people want to know about and the Riverfront development is something people want to know about. I'll just save everybody the time and effort and let you know Matt hadn't been on on the job long enough to answer those questions. So we'll save those for another day. Matt, welcome into Sports Daily. How are you? Doing good this morning, Jacob. What's going on? Oh, nothing. Uh, just enjoying this beautiful Kansas wind. Um, I, look, we're we're glad to have you here, Matt. Like, not not just because... Uh, you know, you're a buddy or anything like that, because there has been a need for some new life in the game day experience. I, I love that you're coming in right now uh, because the the first year of the organization did not go as planned. It didn't go very well. Jay Miller came in last year to clean up a lot of the messes uh, once your group came in and bought the team. I think what's interesting, though, is you were a part of the launch of a very successful minor league ballpark in year one in Amarillo. You guys were selling out. You had a championship. Everything was great. So how much of that are you going to lean on here as you get sort of a chance to refresh and try and, and and build that buzz we all had hoped for for a couple of years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing is, and you mentioned the side photos, and Whenever I went from Amarillo to Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, it was the same thing. You know, it was a team that needed to reimagine their their game presentation, their on-field entertainment, and the way that things are presented to fans from that perspective. And I was able to take a lot of what we did in Amarillo and put my thumbprint um, on Scranton-Wilkes-Barre and certainly intend to do that here. Um, was able to pick up some other tips and tricks from from my time in Scranton. And I think, you know, just collectively between, you know, my time in minor league baseball that I can bring some things to Wichita uh, that, you know, haven't necessarily probably been seen before from an on-field presentation standpoint. I think there's some new things that we're investing in as an organization as well that will engage fans to be a little bit more interactive with what's happening um, in between the innings. Um, I, you know, I'll say this, and I'm sure y'all have heard it, and I, it may even be ad nauseum, but it's true. It's that we're a, we're a, uh, an event venue that hosts the baseball team. Our job is to create entertainment that fans don't even think about what the final score is. We truthfully want to generate people that are not baseball fans to become wind surge fans because they just enjoy coming out to the ballpark and actually genuinely having a good time, even if it's just socializing or community engagement or just gathering as a whole. Um, we're not about baseball while, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan and a, a nerd of the game. Um, our job is to make sure that fans are having a good time outside of that realm. Matt, we're excited that you're here in Wichita and, and you know, having this opportunity to uh, really grow the game and, and grow the venue, grow the fan experience, all of that. What was it about this particular opportunity with this particular team in this particular city that interested you in, in coming here and taking this job? Well, rewind back to 2021. Uh, we were all coming out of, you know, the, the COVID canceled season of 2020. And I was still with Amarillo for that season. Of course, that was the season that the wind surge joined uh, the Texas League. And, of course, you know, you, you hear everything about, you know, how beautiful the stadium is. And, um, you know, certainly minor league baseball is a small world, so you hear everything that's going on. And the only thing I could think even all the way back in 2021 was I would love the opportunity to get to Wichita and 
do what it is that I do best. And that's, you know, entertain fans. And so when I took the opportunity to Scranton, I always had my eye on, on opportunities. And of course I'm a Texas native. So being close to home helps, but I always had my eye on this, this stadium and this brand. And I don't know what it was that it always intrigued me. And then it was announced that diamond baseball holdings was purchasing uh, the Wichita wind surge. And of course my ears perked up a little bit, but, but you know, there was folks in place already. And so uh, I wasn't necessarily going to reach out and say, Hey, put me there. That sounds like a great idea. No, it was, it was just that, you know, everything kind of worked out. I was able to get one more season in Scranton and do some really amazing things. You know, we, we set incredible records in Scranton my last year there um, from, you know, a revenue standpoint, from an attendance standpoint. I mean, we saw things, we, we saw attendance grow by 24% my last year in Scranton. And a lot of that was just due to our, our outbound efforts as an organization and our ways that we engage the community. And a lot of that is the same stuff that I'm going to bring here. And, and whenever I did see the, the Wichita opportunity open up, I uh, reached out to our corporate office almost immediately and said, hey, look, I'm not unhappy in Scranton, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least throw my name into the hat in Wichita. And uh, the conversation started from there. But, no, I'm, I'm incredibly excited to be here. I said this the other day, uh, but I think Wichita may be the best-kept secret in the United States of America. It's such a cool city. There's so much to do. And, you know, of course, when everybody hears Wichita, Kansas, they have their certain predisposed thoughts about it. But I just urge anybody who has never been here to come here and check it out because it's a great city. Well, it's way bigger than people think, too. Uh, at least that's what I realized when I moved here um, from Amarillo almost a decade ago. We've got roots here. We love it, too. And that's that's a part of it. Matt Hamilton, new Wichita Wind Surge general manager. I, I think that's a part of it. There was, you know, uh, just a lot of things didn't go well and the trust was gone right out of the gates. And then a lot of that trust was rebuilt last year. I know there was a lot of progress last year. And now it really does feel like a fresh start is out there. Um, you know, I, I think a couple of the biggest things for fans, at least that I've heard and, and quite frankly have experienced, concessions have not been as efficient or as uh, affordable maybe in some cases as they should be. And and the space doesn't get utilized in the way it should. The city was sold on this ballpark to be way more and to be what you've already explained, way more than a baseball stadium. So what are you seeing in those two realms, concessions and event use outside of baseball just in these early few days on the job? Yeah, so it sounds like last year Jay did a wonderful job of getting the concessions right-sized and set to a point to where you know, everything's affordable to bring your family out here. And, of course, you know, that's the core of minor league baseball as a whole is affordable family fun. Well, that's the core for me as well. Um, you know, if people can't come to the stadium because they can't afford tickets or they can't afford food and beverage, they're not going to be here. And our job is to put bodies in the stadium um, every single night because we want people to legitimately be here and this to be a community gathering place that people can actually come and have a good time. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved going to baseball games. I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I'm a big Texas Rangers fan, and I remember going to games with my dad whenever I was you know, knee-high to a duck, and we had such a good time, and I couldn't ever remember the final score to a game, ever. I just loved being at the stadium, and it's those experiences that we need to create to foster new baseball fans starting at a younger age, but also we need to foster new baseball fans in the adult realm as well. They need to come and realize that baseball is not what it was a hundred years ago. It's not three and a half hours. We put in major league baseball's put in pace of play clocks to speed up games. We do things that are crazy and off the wall to entertain fans. So people need to understand that baseball is such an entertaining sport. 
whether or not you know the situations that are happening on the field. And then as far as like utilizing the event venue for what it is, look, I come from a realm where, you know, we had Burt Kreischer and Shane Gillis last year and had a huge uh, comedy show that drew over 10,000 people. When I was in Amarillo, we hosted concerts with bands like Midland and Co. Wetzel. And I've seen huge successes from those types of shows. And I certainly intend to do that here. And that's not just, you know, lips flapping. That is a real thing. I love whenever we can actually put people in the stadium for something other than baseball as well, because those are great opportunities for folks who aren't baseball fans, who may who maybe never had an interest in coming to the stadium. They'll actually come to the ballpark, see how beautiful our facility is, and then maybe we can actually convert them into a baseball fan or convert them into an opportunity to come out and see the show that we put on from a baseball perspective. So it's not just meant to be a baseball stadium. We need to be utilizing this thing as much and as often as we can. And I've got experience doing that. Um, now, the one thing I will, I will caution is that those things take time um, in order to get in touch with, you know, these booking agents and these companies that, you know, facilitate these tours. Those are the types of things that like you have to start planning a year in advance. And so um, we're going to do those things. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but we're certainly going to do them. You know, to that point, Matt, th- there's a pretty, passionate and dedicated fan base uh, for the wind surge here in Wichita that, you know, they're season ticket holders and they're going to a lot of games and they're really passionate about the brand and the competitive nature and all of that. But as far as expanding that out, you talked a little bit about, you know, having people come out to whether it's games or events that maybe aren't uh, diehard baseball fans, but having them come down to not only the stadium, but just that area uh, down around the stadium in general. And I know that, you know, you're new enough that you don't have, you know, specifics and, and all of that on what that looks like. But in your opinion, how important is it for you to not only have a great, uh, beautiful ballpark to attract non-baseball fans, but that entire area to be developed as well? I would imagine that's a pretty important point and something that you would think that, you know, is essential for that entire area. I think anytime you have a baseball facility, especially a new one, you're starting to see it even at the major league level that people are developing these essentially entertainment aspects around stadiums. If you've ever been to Philly, they have Xfinity Live. If you've ever been to Arlington, they have Texas Live. And not to say that we could create that same environment here, but there's already so much happening downtown. And there's so many things that are already near the ballpark. I think that all we need to do is just find a way to connect the two. And whatever that solution is, I'm sure that there's people smarter than me working on it. But at the same time, like, it's certainly a thing that would only enhance the experience. And I think that if you can turn a baseball game into exactly that, an experience, that's where you really start to draw folks and and develop, you know, a fan base even more. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love diehard baseball fans because, again, I had the, I was fortunate enough to play baseball in college. I followed the game for very closely for many years, even before I was in minor league baseball. And then getting thrown into it seven years ago, I've you know only fallen more in love with the game. So I can talk baseball with just about anybody, and I love to have those conversations. But there's so many people out there that they don't realize that when you know there's a three-two count and a runner on first, the runner can steal second, essentially with almost with a, get a bigger lead and a bigger jump because there's not much really left to do behind that other than either strike out or walk. You know what I mean? So people don't really analyze those types of situations as in depth as you know the diehard fans. And that's okay. We don't. Not every person that comes out here needs to be that diehard of a fan or that knowledgeable of the game. What we really want is people to just come out here and have a good time and want to come back the next night. 
Yeah, I mean, my kids come and they want ice cream or they want, you know, Dippin' Dots <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I think. And, and dad wants beer and we all can get what we want. That's what we're excited about. Uh, I we I got we got the you know the fancy press release. I am a little uh, hurt that nowhere in your press release does it talk about uh, how you know the influence of working with me at KFDA in Amarillo all those years back has springboarded this trajectory to minor league baseball stardom. But you know I get it. Word counts and all those things are important. But you know it it did sting just a a little bit there. Oh, come on, Jacob. You know that I've always uh, appreciated you and our friendship. And, you know, the the funny part is, is, you know, Jacob and I actually went to the same school, but we didn't actually cross over in class at all. It wasn't until uh, I got into the news world that we actually uh, became friends. And so he actually gave me my opportunity to get in as a weekend sports anchor at KFDA and then was an advocate for me whenever he moved here to Wichita to take over his predecessor. So I, uh, I'm forever thankful to you for, for getting me into the sports game many years ago. Gosh, it seems so long ago. I think that was February of 2012. So we're talking 12 years ago uh, that that all happened. And it's crazy to think that all these years later that our worlds are colliding again. And of course, you know, uh, you know, I know Michelle, your wife and from our time together as well. So it's so nice to have some friends here that, you know, we can spend time with, obviously y'all have got kids, we've got kids. So, no, I'm I'm forever grateful to you, man, and excited that we actually get to hang out again. We're grateful for all the contributions to our kids' college fund too, and poker money <laughs> lost that uh, we took away from you. That's that's been great for our kids to know that they'll have a chance at secondary education. Um, so, it, all all jokes aside, I I love this chance for Wichita. I know the attendance went way up last year, uh, in a credit to to the work Jay did and and getting those bridges rebuilt and all of those things. And I, I just can't tell you how excited I am. And I, and I think the community will be once that experience gets, you know, back to more of what people love. I mean, it, look at to, to all the stuff you're talking about. Look at the, the dang Savannah bananas now, this sensation. It's just a fun thing, right? Minor League Baseball, we grew up uh, – in a stadium in Amarillo. And Matt didn't grow up in Amarillo, but this place was a dump. I mean, you people, when I first moved here and people tried to complain to me about Lawrence Dumont Stadium, I was like, are you serious right now? I want you to go ask any player about playing at Potter County Memorial Stadium. I mean, it was a dump, but it was fun to go to the games. And it survived way longer than it should have for that. So I, I love that you want to recapture all that in a big, new, beautiful stadium and I can't wait for summer baseball here in Wichita now. Yeah, I mean, look, that was my home stadium in college. You know, that's where we played our games whenever uh, I was at WT. So uh, I'm very familiar with, you know, the, the facilities that were Potter County Memorial Stadium. And the fact that we had one window unit to try to cool an entire locker room that was on 100-degree days. Uh, so, yeah, no, this is this is a stadium. It's a gem. It's it's the nicest minor league baseball stadium I've ever stepped foot in. And I've been to quite a few in my time. So uh, it's incredible to me. It's a major league quality stadium. You just don't have 200 level and 300 level seating. And so I really hope that the community understands how wonderful this ballpark is and how great it is to have this venue here. And it's our job on the wind surge side to engage the community and, and let them know that by, you know, entertaining them in the proper fashion. I think one of the things that I'm, that I, 
harped on whenever I first, uh, you know, got this opportunity was we are going to play music as often and as loud as we can when there's not baseball action. We are going to make this stadium as fun and as much of a dance party and as entertaining as this can be. And we're going to do some stuff differently this year just from that aspect alone. So even if you are a season ticket holder or are a casual visitor and you've been here 21, 22, 23, 2024 is going to look a little bit different than it's looked before. And, and 2025 is going to be even more different just because I got here so late, didn't really have an opportunity to get my hands on, you know, uh, the promotions and themes and everything that we're doing this season. And that's not to say that what we're doing this year isn't great. We have a really great promotional schedule this year. I just like to do things a little bit more uh, goofy, a little bit more silly outside the box. And um, you'll start to see that a little bit more in the 25 season. Obviously we have to plan these things pretty far in advance, uh, but nonetheless, like this year is going to be phenomenal. We're going to take everything that our promotions and marketing team has already put in place and, we're going to execute it in, a, in an incredible fashion. And fans are just hopefully going to come out here and have a smile on their face when they get here and have a smile on their face when they leave. Uh, Matt, you guys have some stuff happening at the organizational level. You've got, I see, single game tickets. People can get those. That's today, right? What's going on there? Yeah, so every four years we get this opportunity on February 29th to do something fun. So we're going to today from 3 to 7, fans can come by in person to our Fidelity Club uh, over there on the third base side. And you can get lawn seats for opening day for $2.29. And you can get two for 29 dugout select seats. So two tickets for $29. And it saves you a good chunk of cash. I think um, those seats are normally around 17 or 19 I believe, forgive me, I'm still getting familiar with our pricing here. But uh, but still, nonetheless, it saves you a good chunk of money uh, to get two tickets for 29 bucks. And so we really wanted to uh, use that as an opportunity to the day, the 229 day, to lean in on a, on a ticket special to get fans excited about baseball. I know it's a little chilly outside, but there is very few clouds in the sky and a bright blue sky. So hopefully you at least you get the aesthetic of baseball when you stop by the stadium today. But we're going to have beer specials going on. Um, we're going to be doing some things in the club. We're going to be giving tours. There's going to be all sorts of things happening. So please, if you're available and you want to get tickets, you can stop by today from 3 to 7 uh, and – you know, would be happy to have you and, and meet every single person. I said this and whenever they asked me to do this press release, and I mean it sincerely, like I want to meet every single season ticket holder we have, every single sponsor we have, every single single game buyer we have, anybody who supports this organization, I appreciate them, and I want to get to know them as best I can. You had us at beer specials. April 5th is opening <laughs> day. Uh, it's a Friday night. That's pretty cool that uh, the opener gets to come on a Friday night here in Wichita. That's the date they're talking about. Matt, uh, we appreciate you being here. We're excited about it. Matt Hamilton, general manager of the Wichita Wind Surge. Get out there today for cheap seats and get ready for uh, get ready for baseball in a little more than a month. Oh, man, it feels like it's tomorrow, but it'll be here before we know it. We're excited to get there and get it going. All right, there goes Matt. Uh, we'll have Matt in plenty throughout the season to talk about things and exciting things happening. Um, your reactions you can get on our video stream. Um, and uh, Mike says that he won a family four-pack to upper deck seating. His kids and dad loved it. Uh, hope to do it again. 
Uh, we'll have something for you, Mike, I'm sure, as we make our way through. Appreciate Matt stopping by. If you missed anything, by the way, with the interview there with Matt Hamilton, New Wichita Wind Surge General Manager, you can go back and listen to that for free on the Odyssey app. Jad will get that there for us when he gets a chance. Tommy and I are going to come back. So we open things back up um, to things happening in the sports world. College football news a little bit out there. Among other things, we'll have Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider, at the top of the next hour. It's Sports Daily. Coming right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Sports Daily here on this Thursday. KFH and Taco Bell have your chance to win a trip for two to the College Hoops Championship Tournament in Kansas City, March 13th through the 16th. To cheer on your favorite team, it includes two all-session tournament passes, three-night hotel accommodations. To enter, simply text TBBIG to the number 20357. Want a complimentary breakfast burrito? Go to kfhradio.com, click on the events page, download the voucher, and then head to any Wichita and surrounding Taco Bell locations. Uh, With the exception of Hutchinson, your chance to see the College Hoops Championship Tournament and snag a complimentary breakfast burrito from Taco Bell happens here on KFH. Uh, College Basketball News' Caitlin Clark finally chases down Lynette Woodard's, the real scoring record, uh, last night. I thought that Caitlin and her coach there uh, did a really nice job respecting that record and what it meant to the sport. But it is Caitlin Clark's now, so pretty cool to see that. It was a wild night in college basketball on the women's side, Tommy. We had you know, we had that. Uh, we had the Iowa State win, which you know featured uh, Addie Brown and Emily Ryan here locally. So it was sort of a bittersweet win as you as you root for K-State, but definitely root for those two local girls. And then the Caitlin Clark record, big night of women's college hoops last night. Yeah, it really was. And, and that just shows, again, the way that that entire sport has grown over the last couple of years. And, you know, we know that yeah, obviously Caitlin Clark is the catalyst of all of that. Uh, th- there hasn't been a player like her. Uh, it's so incredible to watch her play because the abilities that she has and just the way that she carries herself. I mean, she's a superstar at the college level, uh, and it, it's so fun to watch. It's so fun to see. Uh, and I'm glad that as she's gone through this process, as far as breaking records and all of that, that she has you know, been really respectful to the players that came before her that had set those records previously. And so it, she's great to watch. She's so much fun to watch. I know that um, you know, it's, I can't imagine. I know that she's making NIL dollars, but I can't imagine the kind of revenue that her presence has uh, given to the University of Iowa. It's got to be incredible because she is a, a nationwide superstar. So that's awesome to watch. It has been uh, throughout her entire career. And then, of course, you mentioned K-State and, and Iowa State and all of that. I mean, there's just so much excitement around the women's game right now that you really you can't turn away from it because of just how exciting and explosive it is. Shocker, women lose in overtime last night. and We obviously continue to hope for uh, for their continued success and, and growth and everything else to capture some of that. There's just so much great local talent here uh, that we're excited to see. Uh, but that all happening last night. Uh, we'll get Tim Fitzgerald's thoughts on the K-State women as we make our way through. want to set this up as an appetizer because I know Fitz and I will talk about it as Tommy steps out for a minute. But, you know, we have a lot of things happening in college football. So, 
we've we've told you before the 12 team model is likely going to be short lived as good as it seems there will be expansion and everything is seemingly moving toward the Big 10 and the SEC aiming to create more bids for themselves so uh, that's happening at the same time there's reporting that you know there are power players who don't really want to be a part of the NCAA anymore all kinds of stuff happening so let let's Real quickly, Tommy, on a 14-team model, they're trying to push for three auto bids for the SEC, three auto bids for the Big Ten, two for the ACC, two for the Big 12. Uh, That makes eight, and then a ninth, uh, which I assume uh, the group of five highest-ranked teams. So you you would still get that guaranteed in there. So that would make six, eight, ten, eleven teams, and then I think three at-larges. Uh, that wouldn't be awful. That would be okay. I wouldn't, you know, I would be totally fine hearing that. And if you wanted to just go to 16 and make it five at-larges, I'd be fine with that too. Yeah, I think as we talked about earlier this week, there are a lot of different ways to skin that cat. Uh, And, and, you know, of course, expanding it from 12 to 14, I don't think there are going to be a lot of people that are going to balk at that um, just because you're expanding it out even further. And even though, I mean, let's be real, the odds of those additional two teams coming from either the Big Ten or the SEC, it's probably likely, I'm guessing. I mean, I know that— That's okay. I know that, you know, because they, they've got a couple of at-larges that are, you know, going to be involved in this, and, you know, the auto bids are 11 out of the 14. Like, that's great. But I think, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious that part of the reason that this expansion from 12 to 14 after the first couple of years is even on the table is to potentially allow for a couple more of those teams from— either the SEC or the Big Ten. So I, I get it. I understand it. They want a bigger seat But it table. also gets you another guaranteed spot for the Big 12. It sure, and yeah, that, it and sure that, does. You know, that's a nice That's a nice. It's a concession. Uh, it's a good concession, yeah. yeah. And it's something yeah. that I'm sure that in the negotiations of this, wouldn't be surprised if Brett Yormark said, look, guys, you want me to be on board with this 12 to 14? You got to give me another. You got to give me another auto bid from my league. It can't just be one. It's got to be two. Uh, and, and so I'm sure that that was probably part of the negotiations and they gave him that. And, you know, here we are. And I'm, I'm fine with it. If it allows an additional Big 12 team in, uh, I get it. The, my only concern is that and I, I imagine that this is something that the SEC and the Big Ten probably are a little bit nervous about as far. Maybe they were when they're negotiating, giving another auto bid to the Big 12 is what happens in this scenario if the second Big 12 team isn't anywhere in the top 14? That could happen. That could be a scenario. Sure, I think it's unlikely, but you never or the know. ACC. Or the ACC, you just have to guarantee it's it's an auto bid, and I don't know how you determine the auto bid, right? Is it just the next highest ranked? Um, do we keep I conference think it championship is. games? I think that's probably what you it know, is. The next highest ranked conference championship games are this. This will water those all down, and what happens with them will be curious to see. Now, I would also though counter that by saying. The fact that all of these leagues now have so many teams and you can't play true round robins, it, it, the conference championship game could keep its you know impact and effect in that way, right? Um, it would be odd for a conference, but but that would also help. You know, this model. Let's say let's say you've got split divisions and clearly the two best teams are in one division, right? And they'll and they won't be able to play each other in a conference championship game. Well, that does allow for that second team, right, to get in. So that that's a positive. They have to figure out Notre Dame. They have to figure out a money split. Notre Dame's 
probably simple. Uh, they just get an auto bid if they're inside the top 14. That that probably simplifies that. Where they would play a game, I'm not sure. Because if you take away a buy, you would need at least to give the the best teams a home field situation. Um, so you'd have to do that, and that's probably okay. And the other thing that's come up a lot is the money split. So most of the chatter now, well, two things that I read yesterday, not needing unanimous decisions to make a decision, which would probably be the best thing that could happen because we don't get things in log jams like we have historically. Majority rules, right? That part's easy. The money split may get a little more complicated because almost certainly the SEC and the Big Ten are going to take a bigger share of the pot, and and they probably should. Um, what that share is, though, and how that divvies out will be pretty interesting to see, right? What what leagues get what percentage of the pot, basically, on this CFP? I think the simplest thing, going back to your Notre Dame point, is if they want to get in, they got to join a conference. And That's not going to happen. Well, they, I mean, they look, already wanna, have they already have a CFP. seat at the committee. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. But if it's I mean, majority we can say rules, that. I would love if to it's, see if it. It's majority I would, rules. I mean, it is it is what it is at that point, right? But it's but it's uniform right now. They'd like to change it, but Notre Dame's not ever going to do that. It, I don't think it. They're hurts already playing anything. in the ACC in everything but football. They basically play an ACC schedule, but they but they want they want the freedom to do what they want to do in a in a television deal separately from the CFP. I mean, that's a and different they have discussion a C- altogether. It's love ridiculous. It, hate it. It's ridiculous. Doesn't matter. But they do, and they have their own TV network essentially with NBC. And this is the way it is. So I, I think it's simple. If they're inside the top 14, they just take one of the at-larges, which they would anyway, right? And if they're not, they're not. I, now, I don't know if it's – I mean, maybe it can't be that simple. But, you know, Notre Dame has created this position of power. And, and I know I, I'm I, I, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I grew up one. I'm less so now. I don't really care anymore. But, you know, if you've think got it, it – if they, and I'm not saying they're going to do it, but if they joined a conference – then you've got the opportunity for either an auto bid or an at-large bid. If you're in a conference. Well, but that's not, still not as good as... Would, I, I get it, but if they're not, then literally they just have the opportunity for an at-large. They would lose, and here's the... It's not all... You know, they would also lose the ability to play some of the rivalry games they love to play if they joined a conference, most likely. Um, it's... I don't really care anymore. Just know that they have a seat at the table, so they're part of the... They, they're part of the conversation, whatever part that might be. And I don't think they can change it to not needing, you know, unanimous decisions without Notre Dame agreeing to that unanimously. And of course they wouldn't do that. So I, I don't, I bet you it's easier than we think. I'll, I'll bet you they figure it out. And it, it is pretty simple, uh, at least by the explanations I've seen. It's just, yeah, where, where, if they're ranked high enough, they get in. But so would anybody else in an at-large situation, right? Like that would be the case anyway. We'll come back. Tim Fitzgerald joins us top of the hour uh, to talk about K-State. We'll talk about some of this stuff as well. I may get a little more into it in hour number two as Tommy returns. We'll be back. More Sports Daily right after this. Now, from Wichita's most listened to sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH, this is Sports Daily with Jacob Albrocht and Tommy Kester. 
on all the insight of what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Happy to be joined by our buddy Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com. You can find him on social media, at Life of Fitz. Tommy had to step out, Fitz. I told him yesterday when he said it would just be the two of us to alert the FCC. Jad, get that you know delay button ready. You never know here. Uh, it's Parents are away, you know what I mean? Hold on. Tommy is the like the adult in the room? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, Jad probably what? could define yeah. that a little better that that's probably a safe yeah. assumption don't you think he's he's got an official title now at the radio station he's you know like a general sales manager and all this fancy stuff oh. uh, where i where i'm still just a rogue part-timer uh who you know is along for the ride so uh welcome in fitz uh let's let you know let's start with the women last night because that was an interesting outcome we certainly want the K-State women to win all of their games here uh, because they, they have a chance to make some noise in the tournament. However, it's a little bittersweet when a couple locals for us have such great games for Iowa State on the other side. That was a that was a strange one for us around here last night. Yeah, yeah. Iowa State's done a good job coming down to Kansas and stealing some players. I, I Every time I see them, I think, what if they were also on this K-State roster? Oh, my gosh. Because uh, K-State's got a yeah, ton of local no. talent, too, right? Yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. that's one of the benefits on the women's side. That This state, this state of Kansas produces some players now. Um, and I, I don't know what's going on with the K-State women. They're, they're kind of out of sorts right now. And, and luckily, they have a little bit of time to find themselves. They're going to Kansas City. Uh, you know, coming up here pretty soon for the Big 12 tournament. And the, the problem is uh, they have been in a solid position to host. The top 16 seeds in the women's side, the four in each region, get to host the first couple rounds. Uh, you know, they were they were ranked number four. They've been ranked number eight. They've been ranked 10. Now they're 14 with another loss. Um, and they're, they're kind of flirting with ending up getting shipped out as a fifth or sixth yeah. seed to go to someone else's site. And it's unfortunate um and now they're going to have to really try to gather themselves uh in uh kansas city if they want that to change but even if they go somewhere this is a pretty good team that if they kind of get back in the groove that they can start running through some um really good opponents i mean heck they won at iowa um and i think that defines all you need to know about the quality of this team when they play at a high level yeah, I, I think they'll be okay. I, I mean, I'm I'm confident that they'll uh, bounce back and be fine. Uh, on the men's side, so they hang on in a sort of survival moment early in the week against West Virginia. Doesn't do anything for them, but it you know it would have been bad otherwise. But man, then the next night we see BYU pick up a road win in Lawrence, and we see Texas get a road win in Lubbock. That was a terrible Tuesday night for Kansas State in the NCAA tournament, and they didn't even play a game. Yeah, I mean, these are teams that, that they might be battling for. That. I think Texas is in. They, they get some really good non-conference stuff on their resume. Uh, but BYU's certainly been, um, you know, flirting with uh, sliding down in the bracket. They're probably in. They're solidly in now. Um, but, yeah, K-State's got to focus on K-State, to be honest. And that includes winning Saturday in Cincinnati, or the math gets really difficult um, if you you know want to add up enough wins and quality wins to get to the tournament. 
Uh, so uh, they got to just kind of take care of themselves and see what happens because uh, this conference, look, I, when I saw that Tuesday night schedule, I was never more confident in the outcome of three games. Uh, three home teams playing, uh, you know, the favorites. Uh, even if they went on the road, they might have been the favorites. And, you know, Tech's kind of in a funk right now. But to have two of those three lose, including BYU at KU, kind of sums up how chaotic this conference has become. Well, it, maybe there's something in the air because we saw Wichita State pick up its first road win uh, of the season. We talked about the Iowa State women. It may just be a weird week where the road is a good place to be. So as we look at K-State, uh, they speaking of being on the road, they've got one. I mean, look, we, we keep saying this, and I, I don't think we've been wrong about must-wins and got to have them. they got to have it against Cincinnati because that is one of the teams that you know, it could be in the mix, and one of the teams they'll they'll certainly need to jump at least in the net if they want to get into this tournament. They got to have that one, and they probably have to have at least one of the next two against Kansas or Iowa State. And I'm not, you know, I, I, it, it it's all out there. I mean, it, none of that is absolutely like unreasonable to think could happen, and it would take more in the tournament. But there is still a path. The Texas thing hurts them because that was probably one of the teams they were going to be competing with, and I think that probably I'm with you. I think the I think the win there at Tech puts Texas in most likely. But K State sits at 73 in the net. They have passed, or they will pass soon, most likely UCF. Cincinnati's 45. Texas now is up all the way to 33, so you can probably not look at them too much. It, it, if you look at the top nine in the Big 12, just by net. They would still need to be better than basically somebody else. Oklahoma, mm-hmm. is it Texas Tech? That's what it would take net-wise to get in. Now, they could they could easily surpass some of those teams in the Big 12 standings. Their case will be curious. It will be very interesting to see how K-State's resume is viewed if they can win two of the next three games. I'm with you. I, I personally think they're, because of what you just described, uh, they're three wins away. They're going to have to win one in Kansas City, I believe. Um, and I know we're all kind of focused for now on the nine and nine that Jerome Tang has publicly and accurately expressed has always gotten. I think yeah, I, w- I was skeptical at first. I think he might be right. Yeah, and but the Cincinnati game is personified for a number of reasons. Um, the ones you just listed. Uh, how their net is that high when they are two games behind Kansas State in the standings as we sit here right now. Um, that's insane to me that they're that high in the net and that unsuccessful in this conference. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things K-State has to, you know, ward off is playing that first day in Kansas City. Four teams will do it. Uh, UCF getting the road win at Oklahoma State creeps in closer, but K-State has the tiebreaker. So if you beat Cincinnati, you bury them into the first first day of competition, and, and you build up a barrier, uh, you know, with UCF maybe pulling off a late surge here to get out of the first day, uh, and and then that the importance of that is it matches you up uh, the seven through ten seeds, then will play each other in the second day, uh, and it gives you a very um, comparable opponent like a BYU Oklahoma. Um, I think Texas might be in one of those slots right now, although they might climb out of that. It gives you a very comparable opponent that if you can beat, it really does spruce up your resume. But before you have to worry about that, you got to win one on the road and beat Iowa State at home. 
Uh, and for me, uh, that one on the road better be Cincinnati because I think BYU stole any chance Case might have had to sneak into Allen Fieldhouse. I think KU will be really good when next time they're at home. Yeah, and 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 then again, just like keep in mind, like if you go, but it it really depends. I think too, if it's nine or ten teams, it's a stretch to think no matter what happens, K State would be able to catch Tech or Oklahoma in the net, which is what what which is essentially what it would take to get in. That's that's a bit of a stretch. So you know, can the committee stomach? sending 10 big 12 teams like that that's what we like kansas state can probably do enough to make itself an at-large i don't think that's the issue i think the issue is are they going to have to get into the top nine of the big 12 that make it because i'm not sure that's out there for them i mean it would take a lot of wins down the stretch to jump i mean 30 spots in the net that that ah, man that would be tough, and 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 it could happen. But again, like if, as we're looking at likelihoods, I, I think you need a to build up enough of an at-large resume, and b need the committee to take ten teams. Right. Uh, you know the the problem there is um, not really getting being the tenth team in the conference. It is if you're on a list of four teams, the final. You know the next four out and someone's coming in and another one of those big 12 teams is on that list uh, because you'll be compared to, you know, whomever else is, is on the bubble with you. Uh, so, you know, K-State can't worry about anything other than taking care of themselves um, and right. getting their win totals right and trying to get the argument out there, you know, and I think it's a valid, valid argument. We just played 18 games in a conference how could you possibly be putting in teams that are below us in the rankings when we came out a game or two ahead of them? Uh, and, you know, I know they don't look directly at conference rankings, but I, I've seen it happen before to K-State. If they beat Texas Tech and had a better record in the first round of the Big 12 tournament in Bob Huggins' season, uh, and they got left out, um, even though everything seemed to be better on K-State's resume. So you just got to keep playing and, and see what happens. Let's talk a little football. Fitz, Tim Fitzgerald, publisher, gopowercat.com, at Life of Fitz on social media. Yesterday, it's announced Lance Leipold gets a big raise, up to $7 million a year, puts him into the top three of the Big 12, uh, a, a day to celebrate if you're a KU fan, a day to celebrate if you, you know, have a college football interest like, like I do in the state of Kansas that I just I want everybody to be good. But it does bring up an interesting, you know, idea with Chris Kleiman. He now is surpassed there by Leipold. Leipold, as much as the turnaround has been great, has not achieved near the level of success that Chris Kleiman has. How much longer is Chris Kleiman going to be okay being in the middle of the pack? Or or does this put pressure, do you think, on K-State administration to sort of match what we saw happen for Leipold? Yeah, I don't don't think Chris Kleiman thinks that way. I don't think he has that well, I'm better than him, you know, you got to pay me. No, but his agent might. If you get, well, that's, that you nailed it. And and I tell you what, if Lance Leipold gets a $7 million contract and the agent plays, I'm, he's going to go somewhere else game again after the season. As a KU fan, I'd get pretty tired of it quick. Um, $7 million is you're staying. Unless, you're staying. You know, I agree. House state. Yeah, right. quit playing this game. And if, he, if Lance Leipold is, is – 
uh, you know, really, truly happy at Kansas is going to tell his agent, stop, you know, just stop playing this game. Um, I, I think if you offer Chris Kleiman another 1.5, you know, he might take 0. 0.5, and, but, and he wants more people on his staff. He wants more, you know, analysts and recruiting people, and uh, he, he, he knows he's falling behind in some of these areas. Uh, that's what he's concerned about, uh, not how big his own checking account is. He's he's really concerned about having enough uh, fringe players. I don't mean that as an insult, but all those add-on positions you're seeing in the SEC and other big programs are bearing. Uh, it's kind of the, the quiet war here. Uh, they're absolutely bearing the ability of everyone else to, to function in the same way with, in terms of not coaching but mostly recruiting and scouting. Uh, and he really wants to beef up those staffs. It, it, it we'll see. Yeah, and maybe that is a part of it. Look, I I'm excited about it. It's I can't understate enough that there is a very real possibility that you could have both Kansas and Kansas State in a college football playoff. Like it's not. I wouldn't say it's likely, but they're two of the top three. You know, odds-on favorites to win the Big Twelve. If if health goes both of their ways, if Jalen Daniels can play for KU and all those things, I mean, I'm not you. you I, I would absolutely say there's a chance those are two of the best, you know, twelve teams in the country by the end of the year. It, it is an incredibly exciting football season. You've been here longer than I have. Where does this? Where does the hype and potential of this season? rank in the history of this state, I would imagine because of the new playoff formats, it is higher, better than any. I'm with you, brother. I, I you know, the, the history, at least the recent history since, you know, the departure of Vince Gibson in the 1960s or early seventies um, has been, if one is good and it often didn't even mean one was good. Uh, the other one wasn't, uh, we saw kind of a brief overlap, at, you know, with K-State and KU and Bill Snyder was just getting it going with Glenn Mason, but uh, nothing, nothing compares to this. These are two legitimate Big 12 contenders, uh, and they would have been even with Oklahoma and Texas in the conference. I want to be clear about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're going to have different schedules and, and different paths. I don't really like K-State's schedule because of the absence of home games for two months, basically just two home games. and uh, But we'll see who comes out the other side. Uh, I think what has decided that K-State's kind of the, the favorite over Kansas right now in terms of where the Big 12 rankings are falling, you know, particularly with the odds makers, who I trust a lot to know what's going on. Um, it all simply comes down to the games in Manhattan this year. And um, I, I think if it, the game was in launch, you might see some different numbers up there. They're that comparable. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun, fun football season in the state of Kansas. So tw- this 12-team playoff is going to be a-, a blast. There's already chatter about getting to 14 or maybe more. The The recent chatter is, and, you know, many have reported on this. Dennis Dodd of CBS, you know, has confirmed it. There's been a lot of reports. But basically, you know, a instead of a 5-7, and seven, which I know that we both like, a – Three, three, two, two, one. 
I think it accomplishes the same thing. It would essentially mean the Big Ten and the SEC get three spots guaranteed. The Big 12 and the ACC get two spots guaranteed. The group of five best remainder gets the one spot. And then you have three remaining at-larges. That's what's being you know bantied about in a 14-teamer. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, I, you know, like a concession to, you know, to have one fewer at or one fewer guaranteed bid for the Big Twelve, but you know, having two is that's not bad. That's not bad. I don't think. What do you? What did you think when you saw that? I, I love conspiracy theories, and this is my thought on it. Nobody in that room truly believes the ACC will be around to take the two. So in twenty twenty six. Yes. So when they concede that, what they are saying is three, three, two, plus those other two, well, now it becomes four, four, two. I guarantee you, you that's what's going through the minds. Uh, they'll divvy up the ACC picks and say, hey, Big 12, if you're good enough, uh, why don't you win some football games? They'll put, they'll put the onus on the Big 12 to prove themselves uh, and because, you know, they've just built in success already for their programs. Um, I I, uh, I don't trust anything the Big Ten and SEC are doing right now. Not a single thing. They haven't shown one in, one moment of interest in in the health of all of college football. Uh, they've only shown interest in their money grab uh, and trying to destroy everything else people love about college football for their own favor. Uh, so when I see them do something like this, they're up to something. And I think it's those what ACC about- spots they intend on taking. What about a four, four, three, one, two, basically? Like, what if you, if, if you, again, like if the concession is to say, okay, you guys get to four, but we want three. And then, you know, and then you, as long as you keep, as long as you keep the group of five auto bid, that one, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, it, and then you sort of, and then you sort of sort out the rest. I mean, if it's four, four, three, does that make 11 teams, one, and then two remaining at-large bursts? I'd be okay with that. You, you know, the irony, my instinct here is to say, how about one conference champion and then, you know, for each conference and then an at-large bid for everyone else? But, well, that's what we have now, right? That's the five and seven. That's what we're going to have next year. Right. Um, but I come back to what I just said earlier. I don't trust those conferences to do this above board. I think, you know, we also don't know what the makeup of the selection process will be. You know, they, they might try to corner that uh, and say, hey, we've got a majority of teams. We're going to, you know, we need a majority of the, the committee, which I get. And uh, then they just stack their votes with each other. Um, so uh, I'm just I'm a little leery of everything they're doing right now. And I, I don't see any indication they have any interest in mind other than uh, how much money stuffed into their own pocket. Yeah, I, look, I I try to understand and come at this reasonably. I think if I were in the shoes of, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC, I mean, I, I'm not certain I wouldn't try to do the same thing. They are in a better position. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. So, what can be reasonably done to both acknowledge that and help everybody, I think that'll be the key factor. I mean, they are. Yeah. The SEC and the Big Ten are flat in a better position. It's okay to admit that. I mean, they've got you know, they've got more high-profile schools with more budgets and everything. And I think the elephant in the room on all of this, 
because you're you're getting you know rumors and chatter about how the NCAA factors in and and maybe at least the Big Ten and SEC are kind of tired of the NCAA. The the reality is with court cases and everything else, they're going to have to pay these players. I think that's what they all understand and know. So how do you position yourself when that time comes to best do that? So I, I don't think it's unreasonable for these leagues to be trying to position themselves in whatever position it is among their peers because they know they're about to have to start spending a lot of money on these players directly, right. probably not indirectly anymore. And so getting to that point is pretty critical. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the elephant in the room is that's coming. It is going to happen. Yeah, and, th- and that'll be a sad day because that'll be the destruction of Olympic sports at the college level. I mean, the money just – there's a cap to the money, man. I don't care how much money the SEC and Big Ten are bringing in. Um, at some point, they're going to uh, – the greed of it all, they'll look at it. Hey, if we win more football games, we make a lot more money, and this men's swimming and diving team isn't bringing in a dime. Uh, let's take all their budget and give it to football. How about women's tennis? Let's take all their budget and give it to football. Um, once you make them employees, Title IX goes out the window. And uh, at, at that point, I think the NCAA say, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. I'm, I'm sorry. We tried to, we tried to do the right thing, uh, but now there's no limit on the you know, sports you can have or you know, a, a, no, there's no longer a floor that you have to be at. Just do what you got to do. And we're going to see so many sports just disappear at the college level. It'll be a sad day. I don't know. I, I try not to think that doomsday. Maybe you, if, if, look, if they would just find a solution to the problem, which is compensation, everybody would win. Could you not agree to salary caps to some degree that guarantee, you know, that institutions have the ability to do those other things that eliminate? you know, t- one team from going nuts over the other and, and to try, because the re- because if you, look, if you pay the players, now it is more of a business, and now you can put these guidelines in place. You know, other than Major League Baseball, there are salary caps all over professional sports. You know, you cap it at a number under what you bring in, everyone agrees to what that number is, and then you still have the resources to allocate into the other places that you need to do it. I, I think that's possible. I think if they would be forward-thinking, they could get there. And I also don't know how this all factors into college basketball. I mean, you know, it's what's funny about it all is college basketball is nowhere a blip on the radar in popularity, at least ratings-wise, to football. Yet its championship tournament is, I, I would say, the second most valuable sports property in the U.S. Super Bowl, then NCAA March Madness, right? So... I agree. What happens there? Because it it probably can't go to the same. Like, there has to be some cohesion because there's still too much money on the table through that tournament. And that's probably getting expanded, too, to help some of this. But why can't we just get the leagues to agree on salary caps to their leagues? And then then they're sort of forced to still spend money on the other sports. Jacob, there's a huge problem with this thinking. They already agree upon things. The the NCAA institutions, not the NCAA just laying down rules, the member institutions voted that you can't use the NIL on the recruiting process. So Tennessee sues as a state to undo that, and now it's gone. So if you set a salary cap, 
Uh, what's to stop the attorney general from Alabama going to the courts and saying, this shouldn't be a salary cap. That's collusion against the student athletes. And, you know, the difference not as long the as the student, is, the student athletes are going to be able to unionize though. Fitz, it's the same. It's negotiated out just like it is in football, just like it is in, in, in NFL, just like it is in the NBA. The, the players would have to agree to what the cap is, but when you're coming from zero, anybody with, a logical brain would say, well, let's negotiate what the number is, but it's still better for you. So yeah, we will agree to what the number is. That's how they do it. And then the court doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's been negotiated. It's a little more difficult to unionize thousands upon thousands of college students that are not, I'm just talking about each conference. I'm just talking about each conference doing it right? Oh, when you shrink that look, down to hundreds and hundreds, maybe, maybe it's doable. Maybe. And each sport may have to do different things. I'm not sure. Just look at the landscape of everything going on. Anyone who doesn't agree with what's going on just goes to the courts and, and they find the right judge to overturn everything. And we're back in chaos. Now, this is a right. problem right now. I think this is a bigger societal problem than, than college athletics. I'm not getting my way uh, even though I agreed, you know, we, I was part of a voting block to agree this was the way. Uh, so uh, I'm going to sue. And it's just going on all over the place. And it's it's destroyed college athletics, but some of it has been warranted. Uh, the players should be able to earn money off their name and like them. Has the NIL played out to be anything like what we thought it would be? No. No, it's now it's a giant slush fund to buy players. Uh, it's not uh, Avery Johnson is valuable, so Long MacArthur Ford uh, you know, has him come on and speak. Um, that's what we thought it was. But now it's just, hey, we'll, we'll give you $100,000. What do I got to do? You got to send out a tweet, one tweet. That's that's what you got to do. That's the contract. I mean, this is this is just, it's gone nuts. And that's, uh, as we go further down this road, I, I try to think of all the different ways this is going to go wrong and spin out of control. And within five years, uh, we will literally have a movement to be semi-pro or professional football, not even college students, will just license the Alabama name. Um, and, and then they don't, because I've seen this proposal, why do they even have to go to school if they're employees? And I'm like, oh boy, uh, you know, we're in a different world now. And if that's, uh, I'll be honest, if that's the world they want to be, we're going to license our name and we're going to have professionals playing to represent the college. Uh, I don't think fans will support it that long. They'll get tired of it. And I think a number of institutions, I think Kansas State included, will say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to play college athletics. Uh, and that's going to be the next pushback. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how all this plays out. But it, uh, they're, they're messing with a lot of things that could blow up, including uh, the destruction of Olympic sports uh, and reaching a point of breaking. for uh, Athletic departments are broke already. They already spend more than they have. So right. the, I think the old next solution then is investors need to come in and we're going to have you know these groups come in and start running uh, college athletic programs like they ran newspapers. Um, and I, I just don't like where this is headed one bit. I see a lot of bad times in the future for college sports. Well, th- none of it's going to be good unless they acknowledge the problem and stop trying to ignore it and stop trying to ignore the issues and, and yeah, take it to court and lose every time. That's what will keep happening. Fitz? We're out of time. Yeah, GoPowerCat.com. As we get ready for a big K-State weekend, uh, Fitz and his team will get you all prepared. Thanks, buddy. We'll do it again soon. Okay. Talk to you later. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. You can find him at Life of Fitz on social media. We'll come back. Tommy will rejoin us. We'll have more Sports Daily right after this.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily, our appreciation to new general manager of the Wind Surge, Matt Hamilton, for joining us. Uh, our appreciation to the publisher of GoPowerCat.com, our K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald, for joining us. Um, a lot of stuff going on. You can catch it all on the Odyssey app. Let's give away some HTO as Tommy rejoins us. We'll do a free iced tea uh, available for you at East or West Wichita or in Derby or a free coffee, which, look, we're launching the new coffee, Free Rain. Yellowstone fans, uh, one of the key players of that show, has a coffee company partnering up, going to sell that now in-store. That launch happens Saturday, so you can hold on to that coffee card until then. If you'd like, it'll still work uh, at Derby or East Wichita. But 869-1240, the first caller, uh, you can get that free tea, that free coffee uh, from us here at Sports Daily. Tommy, have you seen this McCole Hardman stuff? Like, I have. Are you up it to is, speed yeah, on it's all this? wild. And I don't even know if I know all of it, but from what I've seen, it, it it sounds like there is a significant amount of drama going on, but it's primarily with the Jets organization and not really with McCall yeah, Hardman, it sounds like. Well, uh, no. that now, now the newest development is that the Jets believe McCall Hardman, because he was mad, was leaking offensive game plans to the opposition. Uh, so that's the that's the latest development in this. We knew he was upset about the way things went in New York. Now he's got, you know, teammates saying things and then deleting them that, you know, they wonder who leaked offensive game plans to both the Eagles and the Chiefs and that they think McCole Hardman, because he was upset, was doing that. Like he it doesn't seem like he had many friends in the Jets organization. And while a lot of this seems outrageous and crazy, McCole Hardman has a history of getting his feelings hurt if you remember his time in Kansas City like he's not a put your nose down and get to the grindstone he's been very vocal about criticisms or anything else over the course of his career so I just like I look at this and I'm like huh that would be something but if you like you know the Eagles are one thing but yeah if if you trade him from the Jets to the Chiefs and then play the Chiefs wouldn't you expect that he would let the Chiefs know about your offensive game yeah. plan? And here, like, that's here's not... a, a novel idea. Maybe don't trade him. Maybe don't trade him to a team that you're going to be playing later in the season. Right. Or or know that you did and you're going to have to change things up, right? Because he obviously is very aware of what we do on offense. Why wouldn't he tell his new teammates that? So it's sort of both of them. Like the Eagles part, that's, that's a little different. But like, I mean, so I don't know what to make of this. Look. I just know that drama follows McCole Hardman, and I think some of that is self-inflicted, and this is a, probably just another case of that. Yeah, I, look, it is what it is, and you know, it's not like McCole Hardman is a major difference maker on either team. I mean, he certainly wasn't with the Jets. He really wasn't all that much with the Chiefs. I mean, obviously, we go back to the Super Bowl Game-winning catch. Super Bowl right? catch. But yeah. there were some issues, as we all know, in yeah. the playoffs that – Everybody was ready to ship him out of town. Um, so it's a mixed bag. It always has been with McCole Hardman. I think that uh, really when we look back and retrospect on his career, whenever he's done, at least I'm going to look back on it and say, I think he had some really uh, impressive athletic abilities, but I'm not sure that really those were ever fully realized. Uh, because remember, when he came into the league, there were comparisons to Tyreek Hill, the level of speed that he has. It's not at the level of Tyreek, but he's a, he's been a pretty fast receiver over the course of his career. 
And I think that the expectation was that he was going to be a bigger game changer than what he's ended up being. Now, I think that the him going to the Jets, I mean, clearly was not a good situation for him. Um, he barely cracked the depth chart, barely played when he was with the Jets. And, you know, I do think that, um, you know, obviously him being back on the roster in Kansas City, I mean, the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl without him catching the game-winning pass. So you have, I mean, that's going to be cemented in his legacy forever. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's definitely a mixed bag. And I, I'm not sure that, you know, if the Jets are criticizing him and they traded him away, that leads me to believe there are even bigger issues inside the Jets organization. And it's really not McCool Hardman's fault. There are just a lot of other things going on. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's just interesting that McCool Hardman has been this headline guy because, yeah, he has not been that successful in the NFL. I mean, he was overdrafted as a potential replacement for Tyree Kill during that drama off the field. Otherwise, I don't think he would have been, you know, drafted as highly as he was. Uh, but, he, you know, he caught a, a Super Bowl winning touchdown, and that'll be his legacy, most likely. Um, it's just, boy, it's two two things that draw drama like nothing else, McCole Hardman and the New York Jets, and it's continuing here. Uh, and all I could think for the Jets, it's just another distraction, man. Just another dang. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details distraction and it ain't going to work with Aaron Rodgers uh, or or what's happening now. I mean, it just time and time and time again, like w w th this kind of drama does not work. It just doesn't. And so, you know, good luck to the Jets next year uh, with whatever they do, but it's unlikely. There's just so much drama there, like all the time with the Jets. It's wild. Um, a lot of quarterback stuff. So we're hearing that, you know, Kirk Cousins, would like to be back in Minnesota, the latest on the Bears and what they're going to do, and Caleb Williams, and does he want to play there? All of that stuff will give you a bird's eye on what's happening at that position in the NFL when we return on Sports Daily. We'll be right back.
Rampage. Welcome back into Sports Daily. Appreciate our uh, Prairie Fire Coffee mornings at KFH. The staff enjoys a great cup of coffee from Prairie Fire Coffee. Got a big old vat of it there in the studios to fuel uh, all the people around the Odyssey offices. Tommy, we get into this wild and crazy business of what's really become a, a recent tradition in the NFL, and that is trying to follow the quarterback position through the draft and free agency. A lot of different things happening. What happens with Kirk Cousins, I think, is the most impactful thing that will happen for next season. Uh, People might disagree with me on that, but Kirk Cousins would have had a a great shot at an MVP this year had he not gotten hurt. That's the reality of it. So I think his landing spot is of the most significance in the short term. I think in the long term, it's clearly what happens with Justin Fields and Caleb Williams. Another one to think about in the short term is Russell Wilson, who it's pretty coming pretty clear is done in Denver. So what happens now? What can Denver do? Where does he land? But it's going to be another one of those where we see significant league altering decisions that have to be made both through free agency and through trades and then through the draft as it's, you know, generally considered a pretty strong quarterback class. You know, going back to Kirk Cousins, I, I really believe, and I've believed this for a long time, the Vikings, I think they need to give him a long-term deal. I know he's getting fairly up there in age, and I know their hesitation in locking down uh, a quarterback that really has never gone over the edge. It never won a championship, all of that. But as you mentioned, Cousins was playing at a close to MVP level before he went down with that Achilles injury. And, you know, knowing the way that that offense is built with Justin Jefferson and, you know, all the different weapons at receiver that they have, Jordan Addison was a revelation this year. I think that that combination with Kirk Cousins can get them over the hump and and make them, you know, again, a legitimate contender for a championship. Um, The biggest knock on Cousins has been that, you know, he's not won the big one and he's, you know, not been able to get it done in the playoffs. But I think if he's able to come back fully healthy and it sounds like he will be able to and and is going to be able to, I really do believe the Vikings ought to lock him down long term because the other options that are out there, I mean, yeah, they could go and they could pick up one of the other veterans that's out, you know, whether it's Russell Wilson or somebody else, they could do that. They could draft a quarterback if they want to, but I think the better option for them is just to stick with Cousins. Yeah, I oh, there, there there's no question that's the best option for them. And look, I I talk to Vikings fans. I, I work with a bunch of Vikings fans, oddly enough, and the biggest and most like knowledgeable of them don't want that return. They're ready to to do something else. And I'm like, man, I just I think that's crazy. And I. I think the Vikings would be crazy not to at least run it back once because Justin Jefferson, like if you're not going with Kirk Cousins, you don't, it doesn't make any sense to me to go with Justin Jefferson either. Right. If like, if you're going to start over at quarterback, I mean, you can't justify paying Jefferson what he deserves, which is the most money at that position. What's the point, right? Like it's not, I mean, maybe he helps a rookie develop, but not in any time frame that's going to help you win a Super Bowl. It's just not realistic. So, like, if you want to capitalize, and look, they've made moves, other moves, TJ Hawkinson and other things, and, you know, you've got this defensive coordinator who had the impact, honestly, in Brian Flores that they hoped he would have last year. 
It just doesn't make any sense to me to not try to run back Kirk Cousins one more time. And then if it doesn't work, you trade Jefferson, you let him walk, you do whatever you got to do, and you start over. But I don't think this is the year to do that for them. You know, I think that for Russell Wilson, uh, you mentioned him being done in Denver. And that, I mean, all indications are that's going to be the case. Right. Um, and, and especially the way that, you know, Wilson was treated the last couple of weeks of the season. I mean, it, all of those things point to him being gone. The question then becomes, is there another team in the NFL that is going to be willing to take a chance on him as a starter? I think there might be a couple. Pittsburgh, um, man. It's a perfect yeah, fit. I was thinking Pittsburgh and Atlanta are probably the only two landing spots that would make sense for Wilson as a starter. I'm sure that there are other teams out there that, you know, at a discount would bring him in to be a backup, but I'm not sure that that's going to be what Russell Wilson is going to want to do to end his career. So really the options I think for him as a starter are limited. Yeah, I I would say, you know, some connection with Dan Quinn would maybe make Washington have some sense, but the reality for Washington is, is they're ready to rebuild. They traded away pieces. They're, they're telling you without telling you they're going to take a quarterback. Um, Atlanta would be interesting. I, I don't, I don't hate the idea of Atlanta. Really. It's a team that, you know, would like to lean into a defense and maybe a running game and have like that. Those those would both be fine fits for Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson would be upgrades over what they have. I think Pittsburgh, I mean, makes just way too much sense other than the financials of Russell Wilson and his contract, which is, you know, that that's a part of it, too. Well, uh, I mean, the way that it's going to get done, right, is that they're going to have to cut him. The, the Broncos are and then take that cap hit and basically deal with the ramifications financially money. for a long time, and then Wilson can go and negotiate a new contract with the Steelers. But that's the thing, is that knowing how much money Wilson wanted from Denver and, and the fact that that all was able to work out in that way, we all know because of the way his tenure in Denver worked out, he's not going to get anywhere close to that anywhere else he goes. And I would imagine that you know whether it's no. Pittsburgh or Atlanta or somewhere else that we're not thinking of, uh, they may get a discount. Know, Wilson's going to have to take a discount if he wants to be a starter yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, and and maybe he's willing to do that now. I hope he saved his money when he was in Denver. Denver. I hope he yeah, I sure hope he did. banked it away because he's, he's not getting that any other fine. time. It'll be, that that is old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring, spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And, and he's only interesting in that sense, right? Like, I, and, and look, if Russell Wilson goes to Pittsburgh, are they going to win a Super Bowl? Probably not. You know, Atlanta, certainly not. So, it, it, but it does make them better in the short term. There's no question about that. And then you have the rookies and you have Caleb Williams and he's having to like defend himself and be like, I would love to play for Chicago. I would also love to play for any other team I end up with. Like we overthink that all the time. Caleb Williams would be fine playing in Chicago. The, what's become pretty curious about the Chicago situation is they kept Eberflus. They're replacing everybody else. Those are moves that would indicate, right, that they're going to stick with Justin Fields. But now, based on what Ryan Poles is saying, it's like they're not sticking with Justin Fields. If you're not sticking with Justin Fields, why did you keep Eberflus, right? Like, what, what was the point of that? I mean, maybe you're that enamored with Matt Eberflus, I, I, I guess. But if you're moving on and you're, and you're making all these changes, like if you, had the, if you had the idea that you were going to take Caleb Williams – isn't that the perfect opportunity for sort of a clean slate type of thing? Like they've, it's almost like they just keep bouncing around what they want to do. Yeah, it, and, and really, they can't figure it out. There hasn't been a strong commitment publicly, at least, to a a roadmap to where they want to go. And it goes all the way back to when the coaching carousel was going on. Uh, I think they missed an opportunity to move on from Matt Eberflus and not try to go out and get Jim Harbaugh. You know, Harbaugh, ha- Harbaugh has that history with the franchise where it would have made some sense. They didn't do that. They kept him. But now, you know, obviously, who knows what they're going to do with Justin Fields and Caleb Williams. So they, they haven't committed one way or another. They're going to have to figure it out sooner rather than later and commit to one direction and go full force on it. Yeah, Harbaugh picked the right place. I think if you would have asked him which spot he would rather be in, he'd still picked L.A. Uh, because of Herbert, the more established commodity. But... Yeah, it's, it will be a really, really fun one to watch again, of course, in the NFL offseason, as it always is now. It's become one of the great sports things is watching that position bounce around. Tommy and I will be back. We'll wrap it up, tell you what's on the network tonight next on Sports Daily. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. 
And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.